Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, part of the Marketplace Risk Master's Program. The Master's Program offers a full suite of virtual content, engagement, and resources focused on risk management, trust and safety, and legal strategy for startups. Be sure to download the mobile app from the Master's Program on the Marketplace Risk website to connect with hundreds of participants, speakers, and sponsors directly. The Master's Program is presented by Aon, Checker, PackSafe, and we want to thank them and all of our sponsors, including Appers Insights, King & Spaulding, Seiferth Shaw, Sitter City, Spectrum Labs, Tint AI, and Willis Towers Watson. Check out the Master's Program Sponsor Center on the Marketplace Risk website for more information about our sponsors to view content they have contributed and to contact them directly. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Risk's L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on the sharing and gig economy. L. is also the chair of the Marketplace Risk Advisory Board. Please note, this podcast has been prepared for informational purposes and is not legal advice by the Marketplace Risk team or the presenters. The material discussed should not be construed as legal advice or a legal opinion on any specific issue. We urge you to consult a lawyer concerning your own situation and any specific legal questions you may have. Please contact us at info@marketplacerisk.com, and we can put you in touch with the appropriate professional. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Elle. Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of the Platform Podcast from Marketplace Risk. Today, we have Marianne Olson, who is an author and an advisor in the gig economy space. Welcome, Marianne. Thank you so much, Al, for having me on the podcast. You're welcome. It's great that you could join us. Now, what fascinates me, or one of the many things that fascinates me about what you do, is that um, I know that we've uh, had a discussion before where you've mentioned you've worked in the gig economy space since before it was even called the the gig economy. So do do tell me about that and do set the scenes for what we're going to talk about today. All right. Thank you so much for that introduction. Well, basically, I started my own consultancy almost 20 years ago. So in a way, I am, I guess, a pioneer in this space because I have been very um, engaged when it comes to the development of consultants, freelancers, and so on. Uh, And nowadays, when we talk about the gig economy, it encompasses so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way, I have built upon that as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, I think what's interesting about the gig economy is when I speak to people who don't work in the same space as, as you and I, that there's some confusion around the definition of it. So I thought it'd be quite interesting if we could talk about that. Because I know that in a way, the media pickup on the gig economy is as being quite a negative thing. And therefore, the association for a lot of people is um, you know, talking about maybe, um, you know, ride, ride sharing um, drivers and zero hours contracts and, you know, quite sort of maybe low paid work where the, ben- you know, the, the employees aren't really getting any of the benefits of, of full time employment. But to me, gig economy work, you know, is about flexibility and portfolio careers and, and a range of jobs. So how do you see it? And what do you think about that negative connotation for the term? Well, um, we can discuss the negativity. Um, Right now, there's a lot of attention paid to this group, um, and I will try to sort that out. But I think, uh, just briefly, I think uh, it will be 
a positive thing in the end because the group of gig workers are in a way unfortunately a growing group but that's also because times are changing and um, the job market is looking different today than it did for maybe 10 uh, or 20 years ago but uh, to come back to your question about the definition um, I would define it as a somewhat like a merged value chain and in a way the gig economy is just a new name um, of the old job market in disguise um, and as you mentioned you can work in different parts of that value chain so basically the gig economy and the share, sharing economy is part of the same ecosystem since it now encompasses both and it ranges from what you were mentioning, like ride hauling to actual professional services that are performed by consultants. So there are a lot of people working in the space. Yeah, it's interesting because I suppose that in a way it's technology that has enabled this to happen over the last few years, that people are able to access different types of work. I mean, is it is tech, does technology play quite a a big part in the evolution of the gig economy? I would say that the technology is the enabler here and something like this would have happened eventually. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think for the most part, it's really positive. Mm -hmm. I mean, for to find gig work, you can actually, if you sell services, that can be um, performed anywhere, you actually have a global marketplace to tap into, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And in terms of types of platforms, gig economy platforms, I know that there are some out there where you can get lots of different sorts of gig work and then there are some which are much more specialized just for maybe one sector or, or one type mm -hmm. of jobs have you got some examples that maybe people would be able to relate to in terms of different types of of gig platforms and and the popular ones out there and maybe some niche ones as well because i think what people don't know is that there's gig work available in, in lots of different types of of sector mm -hmm. and and there are platforms that accommodate that of course, uh, since we are on a global podcast, um, I must say that there's so many different platforms all over. Some uh, seem global, but are but are maybe local to a specific market in a specific country. Um, so I will try to not name names, but I will, um, on the other hand, I'll just say that uh, just like in every other business, whenever you can be more specific of what you're offering, like if you find your niche, you will find the right channel or app or platform that will suit you. So naturally, there are spaces for if you are a freelancer or a freelance writer, for example, there are lots of sites today where you can actually um, tap into competence areas mm -hmm. that match your own. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I've seen some really specific um, gig economy sites. They maybe don't sort of see themselves as, as gig economy sites, but I suppose that definition still comes into play. For example, sort of um, 
um, surf instructors, a very specific yes. site for, yes, for true. just that. And, and also um, something that, that would be nice to, to mention as an example, um, there are also portals where maybe you can find different kinds of gig work regardless of um, the area of expertise that you're offering. Um, and that would be, for example, app jobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what about, um, I mean, what are the benefits really of, of these gig platforms? Well, I would say that um, the person who benefits most are actually the gig workers themselves because it will, it's easier to find the gig work, um, it's easier to be matched for work, and it's not like in the old days where you had to rely on your personality, if you were outgoing or not, that would help you or not, and so on. So nowadays, you can find work regardless of what hurdles you would have had in the real world. So... Um, it's it's actually a more fair job process or mm-hmm. selection process. Um, would you agree? Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I think that also it allows people to to work in a, a flexible way, but also it allows them to maybe develop skills in in a way that they wouldn't been able to before because of the the sort of ad potential ad hoc nature of that. Because previously, if you wanted to do, I mean, you know, a, a certain job that involved a certain skill that you had it's, it's either like well you know it's that classic expression isn't it don't give up your day job because to give up your day job um to, to do the the other the passion-led thing mm-hmm. it would it would mean that you you had to sort of convert your entire career whereas now you know somebody could uh, follow a, a passion of theirs and and do small amounts of that via gig economy platform and, and in that way build it up so in that sense it allows people to to tap into their own talents maybe but there there are yes. obviously downsides yes. for uh, sure and i know um number of companies who have actually started their own business by using gig work as a way of living while they were building their business Mm -hmm. so if you have a business idea that you want to implement in the market you have to eat while you do that right you still need to make some money so I know several companies um, who have been built that way and these have been like IT consultants for example so they could have been coding for somebody else while they were also building like a new platform for example or cloud services of of some kind Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that has become more and more uh, common among freelancers to do that but what about job security I mean a lot of people would argue there's there's there are downsides um, to this to this way of working and obviously financial security is one of them how do you um, when you consult businesses in in this um, area, how do you help them to understand how maybe they can support gig workers and what what the potential challenges are for somebody working in in the gig space? Well, uh, the advice that I always give is to always be fair and always be fair when it comes to payment um, and purchasing because. If you push anybody to work for less, or if you push them too hard, uh, or if you put out like a bid for work on a platform, and if you're being too cheap and not paying what is actually market price, you will not get the best gig worker. 
you will not get the best performance and so on. So I'm mm -hmm. a strong believer, believer when it comes to the power of a market and um, in, in we, usually we talk about consumer power, but now we have gig workers power because now they are in the middle of this ecosystem. They have in fact become um, in a way the customer themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's super interesting. And I think that um, companies will become smarter about not pushing too hard when it comes to negotiation because you will get what you pay for. So if you pay less, you get less. If, if you pay well or at market price, you will get what you deserve, mm -hmm. which is a good performance by a good gig worker. And, and also something which is a benefit for the gig workers with these different platforms is that you can also um, get referrals and you can get um, rankings on you know how well you perform so people are also really eager to do a really good job yeah because that will reflect their the way they are presented online yeah i mean i've been writing and talking quite a lot recently about the uh, effects of the pandemic on the sharing and gig economy and um there's obviously it, it varies because they're sharing in gig economy you know they're not um, they're not sectors they're business models and um, some of the the sharing economy businesses that are in the travel space have been affected really badly quite often some of the examples for platforms that are actually uh, thriving almost in in this um, covid world that we're living in now are gig economy platforms what have you seen positives out there for for this um for this ecosystem well yes and no of course it's been some really tough times these past last uh, couple of months uh, due to the corona crisis uh, but th there's also been a big increase of gig workers into other areas where there was suddenly a much higher demand for work. And for example, all the delivery services and all the food stores, they suddenly had so much to do, they did not have staff enough. So in other areas where there was not a, a demand, where actually demand even ceased. So I've seen so many examples these past few months where uh, gig workers have shifted the kind of work that they've been doing. Um, and also now summer is here for for us Europeans, and um, this is the time where usually you maybe you renovate your house or your summer house, what have you, and then you have others that can actually help you with all that home improvement work. So you could actually have somebody who's a freelancing consultant who doesn't have a job during the summer. Maybe they have some great carpenting skills so they can actually put out an offer in an app or you know, make a post on Facebook to offer services and then suddenly maybe they will have something to do uh, but in a different field that they usually work in. So I think that when we talk about a flexible job market, it's also about being flexible yourself in terms of maybe working with other things that maybe you did not see as your primary competence or primary work identity. Um, so I think that is super, super interesting. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, some of the platforms that I've seen, you know, really quite, you know, almost thriving in this in this um, time, in this strange time, people say unprecedented a lot, but it is, isn't it? Um, are ones where you your interaction is online. So the interaction between the um, gig work, you know, the user and provider on the on the platform is is a virtual exchange. Uh-huh. Um, so things like maybe online tutoring where children have been unable to attend schools, um, things uh-huh. like that, um, and online sort of consulting or, or sessions or um, mentoring, that type of thing. So there isn't any face-to-face. Whereas also there are um, gig apps around things like um, you know beauty or um, uh-huh. hairdressing, which have obviously really suffered because it's not possible to, to socially distance. So really sort of, I suppose, lumping the gig economy together um, is, you know, is some, which some people have been doing. And I've been reading sort of articles, you know, who are keen to, to say that the, the gig economy is, is suffering as a whole. It, there's a huge range of types of platform and types of interaction, isn't there? So, so what could, could be a really challenging period for one platform is, is not necessarily going to be the case at all, because there are things that are, have happened, changes that we've all made, which, you know, which could, I suppose, never change back. I mean, do you think that there are, are things that have changed during this period in terms of tech adoption, um, that type of thing, that mm-hmm. will never be undone now? What, what What's yeah. the new normal well, going to look like? Yeah, I have a, f- a few comments on that. Um, first of all, a positive outcome, of course, is innovation. Um, lots of new companies have, have been formed. Um, there have been lots of initiatives Um some of them have been monetary, others have not. Um, we've seen a lot of uh, uh, so- socially um, positive work being done, like um, all these shopping apps for elderly people or people who were in risk groups. Um, for example, you've seen there's been so many you know, um, nice initiatives during this time um, but also, of course, some jobs have disappeared, and um, there's a lot of talk that some some types of jobs will never come back. But at the same time, new jobs are also created. If you just look back um, last, I don't know, five to twenty years, if you we uh, just look at like old job titles, we will find that there's so many new ones, mm. um, especially in this digital era that we are in right now. So we should not worry. It's it's all about innovation, and we will see new jobs replacing the old ones. It's just that we maybe we just don't know yet what they will be replaced by, but um, time will tell. Mm-hmm. And uh, in addition to this, I also think that um, in terms of future work, um, that changes is that there's an an openness and acceptance to working remote in a whole new new different way. And I would say that the key word here is trust. And trust is surely the glue in culture and leadership. So if we just hold on to that, I think we're going to see some amazing positive effects within all organizations all over the world, thanks to this. It's interesting you're talking about trust because I, I mean I know people that who have you know more kind of nine to five 
jobs than than you and I, who um, uh-huh. whose employers were very reluctant pre-pandemic for them to work at home, work remotely. And it was almost like they felt that, you know, even if they were in quite senior roles, that they had to be kept an eye on and they had to be seen to be in the office just to actually believe that they were doing their job. Whereas now, obviously, they were forced into a situation where their employees had to work from home. And and they've realised that, of course, you know, we're all grown-ups and we do do our jobs um, when we're at home. We are capable of, of you know, actually doing that and, and performing and, you know, being accountable. And the, the possibility is there for this flexible world to actually open up and, and to have fewer people going into offices. And, and I think, I suppose, that that would mean lots of benefits for society and for things like um, mental health, childcare, all areas of society might benefit rather than having these huge mass commutes of people. Do you see that in the future, that there might be just a real change in, in the idea of um, you know, this this sense that literally everyone leaves the house in the morning at the same time? I, I, I think that we've already seen the change in a way because we uh, found ourselves in an extreme situation where uh, people who had job roles that could enable this uh, distance work, um, so some of them might never go back again maybe just for team meetings and it's for motivational purpose not for business purpose mm-hmm. like um, for team building purposes uh, so i i think we will see a lot more of that coming and of course this will totally um affect the real estate market yes. like uh, how how all that off who's going to use all that yeah. office space and all these um flexible solutions um that have been evolving especially during the last like five or ten years um it will totally be different and uh, and also i i think that uh, working remotely it also requires a higher standard um, of your home office, so to speak. Some people sit at their kitchen table um, and they will not have like um, a good chair and so mm. on. So, I mean, I know companies like Klarna, a financial company, that um, they actually uh, transported, you know, office chairs to their employees so that they could actually um, have have like a comfortable work day at home and uh, I know other companies have done the same thing so um, I think there's a change and also it will affect um, when it comes to insurance like are you insured Mm. Um, when did you clock in when did you clock out I mean this um, I mean it goes for office workers too right when do you stop and when do you stop working? Mm. So I, I think we're going to have some interesting, um, I know, dilemmas mm. and gray zones. But for most part, I mean, some great opportunities there to work um, and collaborate in new ways. Yeah, and I mean, it could I mean it could change the, you know, the look of a of a city um, to have more people working at their, their homes and and suddenly mm-hmm. no need for this office packed central business disc district and then also as you say change the look of I hadn't thought about it change the look of 
someone's home to have um, more of the family actually working during the day, which then has a knock-on effect again to things like, you know, childcare and, and as you say, mental health, but also things like transport, because if people aren't commuting as much. I was reading, I think it's Twitter, actually, that uh, have they... Is it Twitter, one of the big... Um, yes. Yeah, they've, yes. they've announced that, that mm-hmm. nobody has to come into the office now until next year or something, or everyone can work mm-hmm. from home from now on or something. But you think about if every large company in a central business district of a city has that flexibility, then it changes, you know, it has a huge knock-on effect, doesn't it? It's fascinating that this... Yes, it is, and, I, and also I think that uh, if we're going to look at our homes in a new different way, um, there's been a lot of you know compact living during the past ten years. Um, so maybe our homes will grow again mm-hmm. because they have been becoming yeah. <laughs> uh, smaller and smaller, right? Yes. Um, a, a lot of people use coffee shops and restaurants as you know extensions to their living rooms and it's also a way to be able to afford a place if you work and live in a big city regardless of where you are in the world it's so that will also affect it so will this affect the need on pay raises or will that be balanced out because you don't have to travel as much so you can save on that um, and also the other trend where we have seen um, that people are using their cars less and less, that changed due to corona. Nobody wants or should be using public transportation due to the risk. So um, there's so many things when it comes to sustainability and how um, the urban development now has taken, in a way, a U-turn. We thought the cars were going away, but hey, it's actually the opposite now. <laughs> More people are buying cars that may be used to rent during the weekend. Yes. Um, so, I mean, these are really interesting times. It's 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 really exciting, actually. Yeah, it's like everything's been sort of, um, you know, thrown into a, a box and just shaken up. And we don't know how it's going to, you know, when it's tipped out again, what that's actually going to look like because you know it's all up for grabs isn't it and Mm -hmm. just a final point really I suppose one one thing that you know is is inevitable I think for a lot of countries as we come out of this pandemic hopefully come out of this crisis period is is recession um and obviously more people might be looking to gig work to boost their their incomes um I think that Financial challenges, um, I suppose, are are really going to affect gig workers in in every shape or form. But one of those challenges is surely that their income might be uh, irregular. So, uh-huh. how um, you mean? Do you, do you speak to clients about how they can you know mitigate the risks or address the challenges of of having? Uh, an income which you know sometimes relies on people paying invoices on time but how can gig workers actually cope with that during a recession well it's difficult to start creating a plan when you're in the middle of a crisis it's it's almost like unfair to play that game um, even if we're in the middle of it right now but if somebody would ask me this before corona 
um, my my answer would be basically to plan for nine months of work each year to support you for at least 12. So you have to like count backwards and create not only like the budget for what you need to live on, but also your sales budget. And it doesn't, you don't need to have like your own company or anything to think in these terms. Um, because nowadays as a gig worker, you are, um, in practice, you are your own boss. So -hmm. you need to make sure that you fill your uh, calendar with lots of work. So um, that would be like my, my most important advice Mm -hmm. is to make sure that the work that you do during a year carries you. um, And also, um, so that it would enable you to actually have some kind of margin so that you could manage a situation like the corona crisis. I know it's extreme, um, but you need that margin. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important to get paid according to market price. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great advice. Marianne, it's been such a pleasure. I can't believe half an hour has uh, flown by, but it's fascinating. And I think that you know, let's let's catch up again in a few months time, because I think that the way things are changing and the speed that things are changing when it comes to the future of work and, and the gig economy um, mm-hmm. is fascinating. So who knows what we've predicted here uh, and who knows what will actually happen and how they will match up. So let's uh, let's reconvene and and talk about it again soon. But thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me on the Marketplace Risk podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning into the Master's Program Platform podcast. Check out the Master's Program on the Marketplace Risk website at marketplacerisk.com, where you will find 12 tracks of content featuring over 80 speakers in more than 65 sessions. You can also download the mobile app to connect with participants, speakers, and sponsors from around the world. Be sure to follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk. Tune in next week for another podcast.